This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 6, verses 1 through 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. This won't surprise those of you who know me well, but something that drives me crazy is a bunch of people oblivious to policies and who are terrible at procedure. Why? Because I am a policy and procedure guy. I love all of those things. I love structure. I love systems. That's what what my brain thinks like and what I love. And I despise, it drives me nuts when people are at least unengaged in policies and procedures. Point in case, Ikea. (laughs) So we are in full-on mama is nesting mode in the Boylan household. Baby number three will be here very shortly, and with that comes lots of projects for dad to accomplish, right? So um, among those projects was a simple closet redo. Okay, um, it was supposed to be just this easy little project. We'd drive to Ikea, we'd pick up a couple organizers, I'd assemble them, put them in the closet, all would be well. Well, not so much. So, four weeks ago, Angela and I, we get in a car, we drive to Fishers, Indiana, and we go to Ikea. And I left with a stuffed snake. That's not very helpful in reorganizing a closet in case you're keeping score. We found out they had a huge, huge inventory issue, which normally you just walk to Ikea. They are a warehouse. You drive there. You put the stuff in the car. You go home. You try to figure out the instructions on how to put it together, and then all is well. Well, that was not the case. So this week I decided, all right, it's been four weeks. Surely they've got some stuff now, right? This time, I did the smarter thing, and I got online, at least I thought it was the smarter thing, to try to figure out what in the world they had and where they had it. I ended up having to develop a spreadsheet to figure out which Ikea had which part, and I thought I was going to have to drive to about four different Ikeas because shipping is a train wreck, all of these things. It was just a debacle. Then, Thursday, we're like, okay... This store has most everything we need, so we're going to go to Canton, Michigan this time. We're going to drive to Ikea. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get this to happen. There is one item that was very essential that they said they had five in stock. 
But I couldn't add it to their click and ship or click and pick, whatever they call that thing. So I walk into the store. I'm like, okay, do you have this one item? Well, it says five or less. So that usually means no. Wait, huh? Why does it say five if it means no? It's almost like Ikea has forgotten that their role in life is to sell people things. And that, that's a little frustrating. It's almost like the customer is like, well, it's a necessary evil for us to have these cool blue buildings. I don't, I don't know what their, what their deal is. And then don't even get us started on the instructions. Just use some words, Ikea. I know that you've got to translate things, but it'll be better for everyone. They really didn't seem to have much focus. They weren't engaged. Their employees didn't seem to have many answers for us. And the thing that was clear that they should be striving for did not appear that they were striving for that. Do we know what we should be engaged in as a church? That's the question that Luke has for us, I think, this morning in the book of Acts. Luke wants us to see what the early church was engaged in, which will help us see what we should be engaged in. So here's our big idea for this morning. I will engage to accomplish the mission. I will engage to accomplish the mission. We're just going to rip this text apart verse by verse, and we're going to start with this. First, the problem. The problem, the church has issues. Shouldn't be shocking to any of you if you've been in church for any amount of time. The church has issues. That's the problem. Look, look back, let your eyes fall back on Acts chapter 6 verse 1. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So here's what's happening. The early church is growing, right? We've been seeing that over and over and over throughout the book of Acts that Luke keeps pointing us to the fact that the church is growing, it's shifting, it's changing. Disciples are being made when the disciples were increasing in number. In fact, that's the first time Luke has used the word disciple. It's a change in how he's talking about the church. People aren't just being saved. Now they're growing in their knowledge and love of Jesus, The church is moving and growing, but what happens? What happens? A disagreement, disunity. The Hellenists, who were the Greek-speaking Jews, their widows were being neglected by the Hebrews, who were the Hebrew-speaking Jews. The church had issues. It had a problem. As it grows and changes, what used to work wasn't working anymore. Why was this happening? Well, more than likely, it was actually just an accidental oversight. See, in the culture, the Hebrews would have been plugged still into the the temple culture that was there. And much of the distribution to their widows would have been happening even through that same system. The church was kind of coming alongside that at this point, trying to figure out how to be the church and still operate within that system. So their widows knew where to go and what to get and how to get it. The Hellenists, though, were primarily people who weren't from Jerusalem, even. They had come in uh, to, to Jerusalem for uh, all of this, and they weren't plugged into that system. So they were just getting missed. 
It, it wasn't intentional. We have no indication from the text or even historically that there was any wrongdoing or intentional malice against these people. In fact, I would say if that were true, the apostles would have most likely addressed it very differently than what they did. They addressed it as the practical issue that it seems like it is. Daryl Bach, a commentator, said this, The way the problem is eventually solved indicates that it may well have surfaced not because of ethnic malice, but because of a lack of administrative organization caused by the new community's growth across diverse ethnic lines. It's not racism. It's not ill will. It's simple. The church was growing and they had structural problems. It was more accidental than it was intentional. So I like sports a lot. I like to play sports. But one sport that I've always been terrible at is soccer. I've never been a good soccer player. So a while back, some friends and I were in their backyard, and we were kicking around a soccer ball and just having fun. And I was kicking the ball terribly like I always do because I'm not a good soccer player. And as we were doing that, some kids came from inside and they're like hey we want to play so we did what all good adults do and we said get in the middle we'll play monkey in the middle right because that's what you do you keep the ball away from the kids we played for a while and then we started to get a little bored because they're like five-year-olds and i'm not that bad i didn't think but unfortunately boredom began to lead to a bit of overconfidence uh remember not good at soccer i thought you know what? I'm just going to lob the ball over the top of the kids. That's going to go well. Uh, no. Lob turned into line drive into a kid's forehead. He's parallel to the ground, about two feet off of the ground, falls to the ground. Mom's running and screaming. It was not a good sight. And I have not played monkey in the middle with a soccer ball since. That's kind of what's going on here. I didn't intentionally blast the kid in the forehead. Let's be honest. If I tried, I would have missed. It was just an, inf- an unfortunate reality of how, what they found themselves in. The early church had problems, and so do we. Right? We aren't a perfect church. There's going to be times in our church of disunity and dysfunction. There will be times of systems and structure problems as our church continues to grow. And right now we are in a season of growth. Things are going to get missed. People are going to get missed. It's not our goal. It's not our intention. But that's going to happen. So what should the right response be? What should the right response be? I think two things. One, humbly point out a potential hole. Right? The apostles heard about the problem. It was brought to their attention. And it was brought to their attention in, in such a way that they could actually address the problem. Humility is key in all of that. What's your heart in addressing the issue to get something out of it or because you see a genuine thing that, hey, I'm not sure if this is being seen. Understand that the six elders don't see everything. We understand that. We do our best to be in and be with the people and try to understand, but we can't see everything. We don't know every situation. So humbly point out a potential hole and then allow the leadership the opportunity to fix 
the problem. Give us a chance. Give us grace. Extend that as we seek to pursue fixing those problems. The second thing is this. Extend grace and believe the best. Not every issue is a sin issue. That was happening here in the text. Not everything is a sin issue. Some issues are a system issue. Some issues are a preference issue. Approach issues seeking to understand more than you're seeking to fix. Maybe it's not even an issue. You just think it's an issue. Maybe we just have a different preference for how we're handling something over what you think. Because the church has issues. We have issues. We know that. But let's lean into those things. Let's seek to um, grow in at, together in all of those things. So that's the first thing. The problem, the church has issues. The problem, the church has issues. The second is this, the solution. The solution, God has gifted me. God has gifted me. Let your eyes fall back to the book of Acts. Verse 6, we're going to pick up reading in verse 2. Acts 6, verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Look at how the apostles addressed the problem. First, They heard about it, and they dealt with it. They hear the need, they address it. But they understood their limits. They say it isn't right or appropriate or correct for us to give up preaching. And then in verse 4, prayer and ministry of the word. They understand they can't do everything. They have limits. There's only so many hours in a day and they know what they are called to most and they continue to do that thing, which for them is preaching prayer and ministry of the word. So then what do they do? They empower others. They look for other qualified people to share the load and what makes someone qualified? What qualifies them? Look back at the text, pick out from among you seven men of Good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Good repute, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. What's good repute? They were men of good reputation, men who have been testified to, men who were seen in the body and in the community as people who were godly people. They were full of the spirit. In this context, to be filled with the Spirit means that their lives are directed by God's Spirit so that they are spiritually sensitive. They're able to make good judgment calls based on the Word of God. It was really a sign of spiritual maturity. So they had a good reputation, they were spiritually mature, and they were full of wisdom. They weren't just spiritually mature, but they knew how to apply what they knew. They were wise. And 
Specifically here, it's even the idea of the ability to know and execute it. So there was a skill involved in these men that they chose. So to summarize, the apostle empowered men with good reputations who are spiritually mature and practically equipped. They had good reputations, they were spiritually mature, and they were practically equipped. Okay, well that's all well and good that they did that, but why in the world does that matter for me today? I'm glad you asked. Three things for us to consider from these verses. Number one, be people of character to position yourself to be used by God. Be people of character to position yourself to be used by God. We pursue being used by God by pursuing God himself. The key to being a vessel to be used by God is to push for Christ likeness in your life. Godly character is of utmost importance to positioning yourself to be used by God. This passage doesn't define these roles as leadership roles. We often run to this passage um, and use it to talk about deacons, and I don't think that's um, wrong to do, but it's also not exactly what is happening here. The formal office of deacon is actually formed later in the church. This is definitely a step in that process, but this isn't a leadership thing. This is an all-of-us thing. They went to the body and said, who are these people of godly character that I want to put in this position to help? God wants people in passionate pursuit of his son who are growing in their gifts and abilities that he has given them. That's what God is after. Which leads us to the second thing. Number two, we are one body with many parts. So be your part. We're one body with many parts. Be your part. This concept of sharing the load doesn't stop here in Acts. It continues all throughout the New Testament. Keep a finger here in Acts 6, but flip over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. It says this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God has gifted you to serve the body of Christ. Each and every one of the people in this room has been gifted to serve the body of Christ. And what did verse 6 say? What did verse 6 say? Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So he's gifted us. What should we do? Let us use them. Let us use them. We aren't about 20% of the people doing 100% of the work in our church. 
If you've been here for long, you know that because you've probably been asked to serve somewhere. Why? Why do we want you to be using your gifts in the body? Because it, it gains you some favor with God? Because it earns you some right standing with God? No. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your works aren't about you and your standing. The gospel frees you to not need to think of yourself, but to be able to serve others. This is a result of being filled with Christ. Colossians 1.18 says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We serve to make much of Jesus. We serve because he is the head of the body. Serving is all about making much of Jesus and putting him in the place that he should be. When we see him more fully, it will overflow. So I have a cup. And if I fill it up, what's going to happen eventually? It's going to overflow. What's it going to overflow with? Yes, I did it. (laughs) It's going to overflow with what's in it, right? It's not going to overflow with something that wasn't in it. So what do we need to do to overflow in service of Jesus? What do we need to do? We need to be filling ourselves with more Jesus. We need to be seeing Jesus more fully. And out of that naturally will be the overflow of wanting to serve his body because he is the head. Your gifts aren't for you. They're not even about you. They are for and about Jesus and his body. All right, that leads us to the third thing, though. There's a balance here. Because healthy leadership says no. Healthy leadership says no. The balance to using your gifts is know your lane. Not every person is called to be every part. Know which part you are and be that 100%. Every church... Our church would be vastly different if everyone knew what their gifts were and dove in headfirst and used them fully for the glory of God. The apostles knew that. They knew what they were called to. They knew that they were called to pray and to minister the word. And that was the part of the body that they were. It doesn't make it more or less important. It doesn't make it anything other than just different in role and function. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18 emphasizes that. Flip over there. I want your eyes to fall on these verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 
First Corinthians twelve twelve through eighteen says this: For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose we don't get to choose how god gifted us he gifted us to serve his body in the way that he saw fit for us so pride says i want to be a different part of the body god must have made me wrong i want to be something that god didn't gift me to be pride says i need to be all of the body i need control of everything that's happening i want to be everything i want to have my hands in all of it just to make sure it goes well humility says god has made me and gifted me in this way and so humbly i will serve him and his church in that way that might be leadership that might be behind the scenes It could be any of those things, but the reality is none of them are more or less important. All the parts of your body are important. Amen? I'm glad my pancreas is working. I don't really know what it's doing, but I'm glad it's doing whatever it's supposed to be doing right now. I'm glad my kidneys are functioning, but I don't see them working. I don't think about them working on a regular basis, but I'm sure glad they are. So let me just give you a few practical examples of how we try to put this in place at redemption. Let me talk you through some practical things. First of all, you will know about our leadership or should know we have elders and deacons both. This allows our elders to focus on shepherding, doctrine, direction, and church discipline. Deacons come alongside the elders and help us care for some of those practical things, facility and finance and meeting the practical needs of people so that we can stay devoted to the things that we believe scripture has called us to as elders most. We love our deacons. They free us up to do the thing that God has called us to do. We have high-functioning, highly engaged small groups at Redemption, and that is by design and intention. Small groups provide care. They provide spiritual investment for hurting people in our church, and that's a good thing. As elders, I want to be involved. I want to shepherd as many people as I can, but there's six of us, and there's 200 and some odd number of you. And I can't be in every one of your homes every single week. It's just not practical. So we have small group leaders who help us invest in the lives of people. So there's going to be times where things are going to come up and maybe a pastor or an elder isn't going to be able to be there for that. But your small group is, that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing. That is the body of Christ being the body of Christ. That doesn't mean I don't want to be there. I do. But I'm one dude. There's only five other elders. 
It's not because we don't want to be there. We don't want to know you. It's not about that. It is about giving others the opportunity to use their skills and gifts and abilities for the glory of God. Small group leaders and deacons help us shoulder that load as elders. And I'm fired up to know that our small groups are caring for things. I sit on, in on deacon meetings every couple of months, and it's so encouraging to hear our care deacons say, well, this need came up, but the small group met it. This need came up, and the small group met it. This need came up, and the small group met it. I love to hear that, because that's the body of Christ being the body of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. It's the exact thing the apostles were going for, to make sure that systems and structures were in place to make sure everyone was being cared for as they knew they didn't have the ability to do it all themselves. Even with our our children's ministry and our welcome ministry, we have classroom coordinators in our children's ministry, and we have uh, an usher leader under welcome ministry and a parking lot leader and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to help carry the load because... As leaders, we're, we're limited. We're finite. We're not God. We're not infinite. We're not able to do it all ourselves. So a couple questions for you this morning. Are you seeking to position yourself to be used by God? What I mean by that is, are you in pursuit of godly character? What areas of godly character are most lacking in your life right now? Are you using your gifts in the local church? Or are you sitting on the sidelines? For those of you saying yes, who actually already serve in four ministries, here's the question for you. Are the things you are saying yes to hindering you from doing the thing you are most called to? Because in this room, I'm fully aware that we have some of you who are sitting on the sidelines. And we have some of you who are serving in five ministries feeling like you're sitting on the sidelines for some unapparent reason. And you need to search and consider if the thing that you're called to is being hindered by all the things that you're saying yes to. And why is that? So we have the problem, the church has issues. We have the solution that God has gifted me. And the third is this, the result, the result, the mission is accomplished. The church was messy. It had issues. The apostles leaned in to help fix those issues. The people stepped up and served. And then what happened? Look at verse seven. Look back at verse seven in Acts chapter six. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The apostles were freed up to continue pressing the word forward, and what happened? The word continued to press forward. People continued to be made disciples, and... Even priests were being saved. People who were devout Jews were seeing the beauty and wonder of Jesus and they were coming to faith. And it says a great number of them. Probably historically in this time, there were probably around 18,000 priests across this region is the estimate 
from most commentators I read. So when it says a great number, there was a lot of people that could have been a part of that number because the word was going forth. What's the point? When the body is the body, the church moves forward. When the body is the body, the church moves forward. We aren't a church that's in pursuit of numbers. But I do want to be in a church in pursuit of faithfulness. And we have been called to serve and use our gifts. And when that happens, I'm not running from numbers. I mean, Luke isn't. All over the book of Acts, over and over and over, he's talking about all the people who are being added, all the people who are being added. Why? Because we want to see lots of people being saved. Amen? Amen. We want to see lots of people deepen their walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Here's the good news. Our church doesn't have to be perfect for that to happen. The early church sure wasn't. The early church had issues... And God still pushed them and pushed the word forward in a hostile environment. They weren't walking in a culture that was friendly to the word. We've seen that in the last couple of stories even that Jamie preached. That's true of us today. But we can press the word forward. We can press that deeper into our culture We can make disciples even of the people who seem the hardest to reach. Do you believe God's still working like that? Can God save your wayward family member? Can God save your Muslim co-worker? Can God press Jesus into the deepest parts of your sin struggle? Yeah, he can. He absolutely can. And don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be able to look back and say, I was used of God in this way? I can tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than being on the front lines and seeing God work. Being used of God is an amazing thing. There's nothing better than pouring yourself out Being completely spent, but seeing God work at the end of it and do things that only he could do, but you got to be a part of. Don't we want to be a part of that individually? Don't you want to be a part of that? So how do you respond this morning? This morning, I think that there are two ways... The text would primarily have us respond. The first would be, evaluate your serving. Maybe you need to seek a place to serve. Here's a list of all the places we have to serve and a picture of the person in charge of that place. I know some of you are new and don't know who these people are. There you go. Get your phone out. Snap a picture. Find these people Talk to Pastor Drew. Talk to myself. Talk to Pastor Jamie when he's back from vacation. Seek a place to serve. Don't sit on the sidelines. But for some of you, maybe you need to ask the question, am I doing too much? Is what I'm saying yes to actually hindering me from being more focused on the thing I'm called to? If you're not sure... 
Come find me. Talk to me. Talk to Drew. Talk to Jamie. Talk to one of the elders. We would love to process that through with you to say, are you in the place that God has most gifted you for? And how can we best utilize those gifts in our local body? So evaluate your serving. The second is this. All of this wasn't happening without prayer. All of this was happening because God was moving and God was working. So we need to pray for God to work through us. So this morning, I want to end a little differently. We've been ending with some group prayers. We end with songs. I just want you to take some time personally and reflect this morning. I want you to take some time and just pray, God, am I serving enough? Am I serving too much? Am I serving in the right place? Evaluate that with the Lord. Just ask him to help you do that. And then, secondly, pray for him to use you as you serve. So let's do that now. Just take a few minutes. God, we need your spirit. We need your spirit constantly to take our hearts to the right place. Because our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. And so I pray that in this time of reflection, even thinking of um, using our gifts for you, God, that you would make that what you want for us, not what we want for us so easy to want to be a part of the body that we aren't. It's easy to have envy of someone else and want to be what they are and not what you've gifted us to be. So I pray that we would rest in your sovereignty in how you've created us, how you've wired us, and God, that we can know that when we are in pursuit of those things, when we're in pursuit of you, that that is where fullness of joy is. And so beyond seeking a place to serve, beyond um, even being used of you, my first prayer for the people in this room is that we would be a people in passionate pursuit of you. We would be a people seeking to fill our hearts with more Jesus, that he would increase and we would decrease. God, would you do that in us? And as you fill us with Jesus, then would you help that to overflow into the way that we serve the church, into the way that we serve others? God, we want to be used of you. What a joy it is to be used of you. Because you don't need us. You can accomplish all of your purposes without us. And yet, you give us the joy, the privilege of being a people used by you. Would you show us the surpassing value of pursuing Christ and the fleeting the fleeting nature of pursuing ourselves. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. You are loved.